Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying because usually Greg does. I'm gonna say welcome back to the listeners. Um, we are with uh, an exciting guest. Um, I suppose back and forth to get to get uh, him on. Um, it, and Steve, how do I how do we pronounce your last name? Kahan. Kahan. Okay, I was gonna go Kahan. So Kahan. I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I asked. Um, welcome, welcome to the bowling point. Um, we tend to, to ask our guests to introduce themselves because they generally do a much better job than we do introducing them. So may we, may we uh, have you introduce yourself? Would that be okay? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Steve Cahan, and uh, I uh, am the author of a book called Be a Startup Superstar, which uh, actually is a bestseller on Amazon. Wow. I've been with uh, six, now seven startup companies, uh, all of whom have successfully sold or have gone public, uh, generating over $3.5 billion in shareholder value. Nice. I am uh, happily married and have two wonderful grandchildren. Wow. And where, where, where are you right now, Steve? I'm in Sugarland, Texas. Oh, okay. I was just looking at beautiful weather behind you thinking um, somewhere yeah. so, seems like so. So um, <laughs> awesome. What, so, you know, when people, I don't, I don't like you, you, one of the questions I have always is um, how, like, how did you get into the startup community? Um, we hear a lot about startups and I think there's a lot in, in the community that's, that's understood, but I think people outside of that community don't really understand exactly what a startup is. And, and, and I'll just give you some context here. Um, you know, we're going, we're, we all are part of, you know, experiencing COVID-19 uh, and, um, and in Canada, there's been some really good support for businesses, but it seems like some businesses are being missed. And I think the startup community in, with, with the best of intentions from the government isn't getting the, the support they need um, because I don't think, you know, I think they're just trying to recognize what, what that community needs and what that community actually is. So I got a lot packed in that, but I wonder if you could just take us back to, you know, what a startup actually is and, um, you know, and, and, and how to be successful. And um, why don't we start there? Sure. So if you look at, let's start by defining a startup. Yeah. So, According to the United States Small Business Administration, a startup is a company that is in the formative stages and has been in business for under a year. But to me, that actually paints a poor picture for what defines a startup. Uh, Doug Irwin, a friend of mine, chairman of a venture capital company and serial technology entrepreneur, I think he's got a far more instructive definition he says, startup is a company that is like the last frontier for outlaws, a place where nonconformists can live, create, and sell their ideas. And in many ways, who doesn't want to be involved in that? It's a place where you get to be the rough-riding rebel running circles around the sl slow-moving, 
bureaucratic, uh, large organizations. So in many ways, a startup, it's a mindset. It's a culture. It's a small team of crazies that is hell-bent on changing the world. I think think you're starting a movement. (laughs) And and you know what? That is probably the most attractive definition I have ever heard. You know, like the outlaw. Yeah, the, outlaw, the rebel, the artist, the uh, the 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 uh, misfits. You know, <laughs> exactly. And I I made my journey to startups early on. So um, much like uh, so many of us, um, my parents and in particular my father used to tell me at an early age. He'd say, "Steve, get your degree, go to work for a large corporation. You work hard, they'll take care of you, and you'll have a great career." And then he would say, of course, your mother and I would much prefer that you become a doctor or a lawyer. But short of that, getting a job at a big company would do. So that was a path I took. I graduated college. I went to work processing claims for a large uh, organization. And I remember uh, one day going to work about a year in, and I remember uh, looking at my bank statement, it was down to about $50 in my bank account. And I was staring at this huge pile of claims that I was supposed to process that day, wondering how on earth would I ever get ahead. And I, and I, I, the student loans would grab a hold of my paychecks before it ever had a chance to hit my bank account. And so on a day about a year or so in, I asked myself, how could I earn a great living and really love the work I do, as opposed to being in kind of a bureaucratic organization in a smaller pigeonhole role. And so I made a decision early on to make the leap to the startup world, in particular a technology startup. Um, when I joined, actually, the, uh, the company was uh, taking a copy machine and rolling it right out of the office. I came to find out a few days later that the company could no longer afford to pay for that copy machine. But I was blind to it. I was so pumped and excited to work with this small team that was convinced that it would change the way applications were being developed. And I took the opportunity to learn everything I could. And just a few years later, that company that couldn't pay for that copy machine, it went public. And I got the bug and never left the startup world. Wow, that's yeah. Go ahead, yeah, I was just going to ask, like, you know, you just described this, you know, um, kind of mundane experience in the Fortune 500 job and, you know, this to this exciting world of startup. And, um, you know, in the years you've been in, do you think there's a certain personality that is more, um, you know, really made for the startup world? Because, I mean, there's, as you described, there's like this example, like, there's so much risk involved, right? And, and um, I just don't, you know, I just wonder, you know, who, who is the kind of the perfect startup personality or, or is that a, is that not even, you know, it, maybe there's a multiple personalities that would make up, you know, a good startup community. Yeah, sure. I mean, there, there absolutely are multiple types of uh, personality uh, types that can work within a startup, but they tend to be people who have a DNA that is, uh, you know, very hardworking. These are people that are accountable they tend to be a little bit more entrepreneurial. They um, oftentimes operate a little bit better with less structure 
they're not uh, necessarily dissuaded or too concerned about change because it's something that will occur rapidly and all of the time. And so um, there are people that get turned on by innovation and, and working uh, with small teams. And so uh, those are kind of, I guess, at a broad brush, the attributes that make someone really great to work at a startup. And, um, and those are attributes really apply across all functional areas. Um, you know, switching gears a little bit to your book, The Startup Superstars, um, or Be a Startup Superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we talk about that a little bit? Because you've got 30 plus years doing this. You've got a lot to share, a lot of wisdom, probably a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, wounds as well and, uh, and frontline stories. And you've packed it all into a book. Um, first, question number one is, have you written a book before? Uh, and number two, what, what led you to today being uh, the time to take all that experience and knowledge and, and share it with the world? Well, I never really set out to write a book, quite frankly. And uh, what I have done over the years is there's a number of people that I mentor. And then, of course, I have two kids of my own who are now working. And so I wanted to make sure that I'm always helping them. And so the people that I mentor oftentimes would ask me, gee, have you ever written this stuff down? <laughs> because I'd love to be able to, to have that information. So w- one day, my uh, wife and I, we traveled uh, to Greece. We were at uh, one of the Greek islands about 200 kilometers southeast of uh, Athens. And I was overlooking the Aegean Sea, got up early in the morning. It was just a beautiful, beautiful morning. And I started to document uh, some of the uh, attitudes, the actions, the behaviors that one needs to have in order to uh, maximize success within a startup company, as well as things like, how do you go about looking for a startup? Because there's risks, there's no doubt about it. Like what separates a startup that has a good story, as many CEOs do, versus one that has both a good story as well as a really good chance for success, the criteria that I use. And so I started to document that uh, information. I got on a roll and started writing more on the long uh, plane trip home. And from that time to a year later, uh, my book was published uh, by Wiley and Audible, Hmm. which I understand is sort of rocket speed for the publishing world. So I I never really started out writing a book, but a mentor of mine said that, gee, you've got a book here. You really ought to see about getting it published. So it was kind of uh, falling into it a little bit, but that was really the the reason why I wrote the book was really to help people. I love it. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. And uh, I'm on the book site right now. um, And I'm excited to, to get the audio book of this as well. Uh, People can check it out. at. uh, Is it you reading it, Steve? I'm sorry, say that again. Was it you reading, or is it you reading the book in Audible? They asked me if I wanted to, but um, but I thought that that would probably be better done by someone who does that and doesn't stutter <laughs> and say um like I do too often and things okay, like I just, that. Yeah. So they actually had it done by a professional. I got it. Okay. I was just curious because it's just, you know, if people can expect to hear your voice or not. Um, so what, you know, 
like to have the success you've had, um, is there a little luck in that? Or like, did you start, like, when did you start? Like, I'm thinking, I'm kind of going back to early days. So I'm assuming as you gain confidence and knowledge, you started, you know, picking maybe a little more effectively. Um, you must have had some failures along the way or experienced it because, um, I'm, or maybe not. But, but how did you, you know, what, what was the criteria you were using? So the criteria that I use, and even to this day, so for example, I now uh, am at a cybersecurity startup company, and in four years, we've gone from $5 million to a little over $100 million. And so that's wow. been kind of the trajectory that I've been fortunate enough to work with some really good people to be around. And so these are the criteria that I use when I select a startup, much like the, these, I use these criteria when I join the startup that I am at now. So the first thing that I look for are quality people that share the same values that I have. And so people reflect a company's culture. And if you don't think you could trust, respect, and admire the team that's involved, move on. And what you're looking for is a management team or some key management that will rock your world. Second thing I look for is that the concept needs to fill a big market need. And there, particularly in the B2B world where I have been and largely in cybersecurity, is that people, uh, buyers don't spend money on should solve problems or nice to solve problems. They spend money on must solve problems. And so I'll do research. I'll look at what the analysts, what the influencers are saying about a market to make sure that it's actually a must-solve problem within a big market. I see that there's lots of competition. In fact, I get concerned if I see there's no competition because it often suggests that there's not a market. Hmm. The third thing that I look for is for a great product that I believe in. And so you know, you're going to work each day with uh, uh, working uh, around that product or on that product very much in particular. And so does that product resonate with you? Is it something that you feel great about representing no matter what role that you're on? Would you purchase it? Would you use it? Would you recommend it? And so what is so important is that you want to be able to go to work a with respect to the product or service, whatever it might be, and make sure that you are really switched on with respect to your role in helping that product be successful. And then finally, I look for uh, to make sure that the startup is well-funded. And so here, what I'm looking for is that there is proper runway so that the company has the capital uh, to achieve success. And so I want to make sure that the company is properly capitalized so that you have a chance at growth and stability. And it's typically with those criteria that then all of those boxes need to be checked. And, and when I'm able to check them, uh, odds are that it has a much, much better chance for success. And then what's, what's your next step from there, Steve, like, uh, when you find a company, then do you approach and say, hey, how can, how can I help? Or how can I get involved? What's, uh, I'm just curious from, from your perspective, because uh, that must be a fun uh, experience, kind of keeping the, 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 the playing field wide open and finding those companies. And then, Well, the first thing you have to understand is that there's 
uh, over 50,000 startups in North America alone, right? And so now not all of them are great, right? And so, um, but if you think about, for example, if you desire to get into the C-suite, uh, there's only 500 CEO positions and maybe 5,000 in the C-suite all told. And so compare this to the over 50,000 startups in North America that exist right now. Um, you, know, you, you know, your odds of getting in the C-suite in the Fortune 500 are pretty much the same as your odds of being drafted into the National Football League where 254 players are selected in each year's NFL draft. So you've got much more of a chance to really go hit, um, hit it and, and be able to have the growth, the advancement, the opportunity to get to the C-suite. And so for me, I've been a little bit fortunate just over the years that I've, uh, I've been contacted by a number of, um, of, of, a number of uh, startups, but they're, these startups are desperate for hiring. And even now in this kind of tough, challenging environment that we're in with, uh, with the pandemic, still startups are hiring. The, there was a survey that was completed. It was done in the first quarter of this year of startup CEOs and the number one issue keeping them up at night was hiring good people. Now think of that. Hiring good people is rated ahead of growing revenue, acquiring customers, or gaining access to more capital. Now there's a little bit less hiring going on right now, to be sure, uh, but that hopefully will be uh, a temporary thing. And so there's yeah. tremendous opportunities at startups, and there's many of them. In fact, if you just looked at, for example, at uh, technology accelerators that exist in virtually every city, uh, major city in North America. And then these are companies that provide seed capital to their portfolio companies. And like a little unknown uh, fact is, is that these companies that are part of those accelerators oftentimes will have many of the open roles that they are posting right from those sites that people don't even know about. They just don't think about going there. And so mm. it's just like a quick tip. If you wanted to find some great opportunities in the city that you live, that is mm. uh, a, perhaps a way for you to go find them. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say, uh, <clears throat> what a hopeful reality that is. So that message that, uh, you know, it's a bigger challenge to find qualified kick-ass uh, team members than focusing on other other things and that really shows an, an incredible truth about what's truly important you're not going to see incredible scale without an amazing team so i i fully get that another thing that i've uh, uh, recognized about you and uh, the little bit of, of research is you've got a passion for helping young people uh coming out of college or or what have you make make a more informed decision about a career uh, kind of similar to uh, the experience that you had when you, uh, your parents wanted you to be a doctor, lawyer, or third best work for a big company. You're saying, you know what, that's not all that the world has to offer people. Um, where do you think your uh, passion comes from for that? And you are a dad as well. So I fully understand that, that side too, but you've got a passion to, to help, to help these people transition and, essentially feed the startup community, which is, which is really I, wonderful. I really do. I mean, there's such great opportunity, but here's a reason. For, so if you're listening to the podcast right now, here's a reason why you should consider a startup. So it's kind of a, a, a cool thing that if your career 
uh, has a nice trajectory to it and you're achieving success, you will make more money along the way. But then this funny thing happens that as you're making more money along the way, you get married, you buy a house, you buy cars, you go on cool vacations, and you start to spend as much as you make, right? And you're making more, but you're spending more. And it's really hard, even for the most diligent of saver to get ahead. And so if you're able to use some of the criteria that we talked about in selecting the right startup, part of the reason for selecting a startups are stock options. And the reason why that's so important is like, if you think about like I invest in the stock market and you know, you could be a, do a lot of research, right? But you really don't know who the management team of those companies, you really don't know what's going on the inside. You could do a lot of research and, and hopefully it works. But I've always been a big believer on betting on myself and the team that I work with. And it's through those stock options, if you pick the right companies, that you could also gain financial separation should that company achieve a good exit. And if that's something, it's not the only reason to work uh, financial to be sure, but if that is one of the things that is important to you, uh, I highly recommend startups. If for no other reason, it gives you that shot, that chance at financial separation. That's, you know, it's as an, as an, that's really actually, so there's a bunch of ways you can interact with the startups, what you're saying. You don't actually necessarily have to create your own startup. You don't have to actually be on a team, but you, you know, there's this whole investment option that people can often forget about. Um, I'm an executive coach and I, so I really, and so I believe in developing people and leaders. So I really appreciate the first of your four criteria is about quality people and team. And, and um, you know, when you look at, some of the startups you've been involved in, what are, what are you noticing are qualities, maybe uh, a thread around, you know, through, through the leadership you're seeing? Like what, what have you noticed um, that really supports having a quality, you know, strong team? Um, so I think there are things uh, that you can start to do that help you to determine right in the interview process about, having a chance of selecting a, a company that values um, sort of a quality team and teamwork. And so um, here's a question that your listeners could ask, and it's a question that I ask. So for example, I will ask people, if you weren't building your startup, what would you be doing? And so what you'll oftentimes hear from that is you'll hear Perhaps maybe there's some things that you have in common. Maybe you'll hear a little bit about if the people that you're interviewing with value sort of kind of uh, work-life harmony, or maybe you're interviewing with someone who is a, a micromanager, workaholic, and you know overly demanding, right? And so it's questions like that, or who are your investors? and why did you choose them? Or what do you love about your team and why are you the ones to solve the problem? And I'll ask questions like those, which start to give me a little bit of a kind of an end around, if you will, 
to get at really what are the values it's because it's not the values necessarily that are pinned up on the wall on some sort of mission statement or on their website. I mean, certainly that could be an important piece, but it's really getting underneath that layer, going a sort of double clicking down to find out who are the people really. And, um, and I'll ask questions like that. Uh, which will help me to kind of get that the the answers I'm looking for, and uh, it, you'll be amazed if you if you ask those questions, what uh, what you'll typically get. Um, is that your dog in your house, Steve? The that weird? would be my 110 pound German <laughs> Shepherd that, awesome. that my wife is escorting into the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Hey, so well, what about I mean, and how does humility play in? Because I'm we're talking to you. We're just getting to know each other through this. And I, I don't know about you, Greg, but I'm picking up on, on you know, the success you've had, a best-selling book on Amazon. Um, just something that strikes me about you is, is humility and, uh, and, and authenticity. And it's, you know, are those, are those things you look for in, in the leaders and companies that, you know, you feel are going to be a good startup? A hundred percent, right? And so I think... Uh, humility is just huge. And one of the most successful people that I've ever worked with and worked for um, is uh, probably worth $200 million, right? And so he's had, while we have had success together at a couple of companies, uh, he's had success at probably three or four and has some big, big, big outcomes. But if you met him, he would be wearing the same old junky stuff I am. He's not trying to, you know, impress you. He's not trying to take credit for everything that's ever been done in a very successful career. It's more about spreading the credit. It's about, um, it's about saying thank you, which oftentimes is in short supply in, in the business world these days, which is just so important. Mm -hmm. And it's about, it's, we've had cultures, for example, when we work together where it's like, thank you and please is just like, if you didn't say it, you would stick out, right? And so to me, what I found is, is if you give the credit and you spread it around on a constant basis, it comes back to you tenfold. And unfortunately, not enough people actually recognize that or and and act on it i wish there were more quite frankly mm -hmm. uh, but i think being humble being authentic being transparent not having people think that there's always an ulterior motive uh, being responsive in the same way you would want others to be responsive to you um, these are all things that um you know, constantly recognizing others on the team uh, and helping others to grow in their careers uh, or others on the team uh, learn something new or, or achieve a level of um, success or adulation. These are things that really separate cultures and make work environments special. And in fact, what's a great example of that is that this one of the companies that I work for, um, where that 
sort of whole environment that we're talking about has been in place. We had a good exit from that company about 15 years ago. And at that time, when the company sold, there were about 300 employees. And to this day, about 250 at least of us get together on an annual basis at wow. reunion parties every single year. That's and people amazing. come from all, all over the world. And it's like we created bonds that will last the rest of our lives. Mm. Uh, it was just so awesome. And that's the type of special outcome where it, it just doesn't happen in companies that uh, don't have the attributes associated with the things we're talking about now. Mm. I think that's, that is a beautiful story. Like, uh, what a cool thing for us to uh, strive towards. And it's not something you can architect or design either. It's about, you get those outcomes uh, if, if it's organic and if the leadership um, truly, uh, you know, sets that example and creates that open space, you know, and uh, I agree. And I think even the leadership could start at any level. So let's say you're in an organization yep. that isn't doing those things. And let's say you're not at, at the top. It's you could start it, right? And it could be catchy, 100%. right? Yeah. So no matter where you are within an organization, don't mm -hmm. feel like, well, you know, gee, I would, I would uh, say thank you to others if they said it to me. Be, <laughs> be the example, be the spark, and see if that uh, flame could, could ultimately be the result. Do you, you know, and, and that whole, this whole sentiment really, I think, punctures that myth of, you know, good guys always finish last, you got to be mean, and you got to be, you know, uber aggressive, and, and all these things to be successful, these, these messages that sometimes you get. Um, you know, especially as, you know, Canadians wanting to be successful in the, in an American market. I mean, there's these crazy things people tell me about, you know, what it takes to be successful. And, uh, and I've always thought, well, I mean, people are people like, do I really, like, I mean, I don't feel like we're relating to you that much differently because you're in Texas and we're in Atlantic Canada, you know, what you're, what you're saying really, really aligns with what, you know, what we would agree with and feel and, um, uh, so I just wanted to make, share that because I just loved as for me personally, that's just a really, that's a great thing to, to be hearing. Um, so how do people learn more about you, Steve? Where, where, and, and, you know, more importantly, um, get to uh, hear this professional reading your book on uh, Audible and, you know, what, where, where would they, uh, where, where would you recommend um, they start to learn more? Yeah. So uh, the way to learn more about uh, my book, Be a Startup Superstar, or contact me directly is through the book's website, which is at www.beastartupsuperstar.com. And should you read the book and have any questions or comments, I respond to anyone that tries to contact me. I'm certainly a big believer in paying it forward and, and helping others. And so I look forward to hearing from you, uh, any of your listeners, should they desire to contact me personally? Mm. That's awesome, you know, Steve. We've got a, Steve, we've oh. got a pretty, we, we, I'm just going to say, we've got a healthy startup community in this, in the province of New Brunswick. And I, I'm guessing that there might be some people that would, be, would, would love at some point, love to have you come up this way. If that, if that ever happens. Again. Oh, that's, that's uh, a good, that's a really good point. Yeah. You know what I mean, like I'm thinking of all our friends that are in that community. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're pretty deeply involved in the, startup space in Atlanta, Canada. And uh, uh, yeah, it'd be great to bring you up as a speaker sometime, Steve. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to. And, you know, the other thing I would just say to the listeners is that sometimes they hear startups and they're worried about uh, sort of the losing work-life balance and, you know, that they're going to have to work 50 hours uh, every single day. And the big thing that I would say is that it that really is doesn't have to be that way. And the one thing you could do, it, should you choose to go to work at a startup, is learn how to protect your calendar. And go take a look at your own calendar. If you live by your calendar as I do, take a look at it right now and see how many meetings you've scheduled with yourself. And I'll bet you if you're like most people that you have too few, which is to say that uh, you haven't scheduled time to be home for dinner or to miss a kid's game or even time to think strategically or for your own education or for working out at lunch. And so if you actually go schedule those meetings uh, uh, with yourself ahead of time, you, you, you will find that you can sort of navigate towards a healthy work-life balance. I think that is phenomenal advice. And uh, Steve, for, just on a for, for, for everyone, not just the startup. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. On, on, on a closing uh, note, I was wondering what uh, which island were you in? Did you cross the Corinth Canal to get to uh, the islands that you were in Greece? Yeah, I was in uh, the, well. The island where I started writing it was called Santorini, and so just I know uh, very well. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, just great place, and uh, I, I wish I was there actually right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so Steve, if, if you have a pen, if you have a pen beside you, I'd like I'm going to send you to our YouTube page, and you're going to see a fun what I call a mockumentary. I own a film production company where we make movies and uh, documentaries and commercials. Um, but if you look up Hemmings House, okay, H E M M I N G S House. So it's youtube.com slash C slash Hemmings House. That's our channel. And then it won't take you long for you to find a uh, little film called To Modelo. So it's the model in Greek. So To Modelo. And you're going to see some areas that, uh, that are very familiar to you. And you're going to get a good laugh because the whole thing is fake. It's shot like a documentary, but it's completely fake. And you're going to get a good kick out of it. Well, I do have my pen, as you can see. And I'm... Uh... And I will go take a look at it. I took a bunch of students to Greece to uh, teach them how to, how to make films. And uh, we made this one up on the spot. And I, I look forward to hearing your comments on it. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Steve, thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, we look forward to following uh, everything that you're doing and uh, stoked to read the book and listen to the book and, and hopefully get you up here. And we'll take you out on a lobster boat. <laughs> Sounds great to me. <laughs> Awesome. That's what Thanks, we do Steve. on the East Coast of Canada. All right. Yeah, see you, Steve. Yeah. Take care. Be safe. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com. And on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. 
My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to WhatSheSaidTalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.